I would imagine that some of you uh, here this morning will know the name Michael Mosley. He was a former medical doctor, uh, is a health writer, has had the BBC and uh, a BBC presenter, and recently produced a, a podcast, and some of you might have seen it, called Just One Thing. And uh, it addresses things that you should be doing to improve your health and well-being. Has anyone come across it? Yep, one or two nods from there. And there's some interesting episodes, uh, one called Cold Shower. Uh, could it be the key to reducing stress and improving immunity? Maybe some of you here begin the way, uh, begin the day with a cold shower. I know those that do, and they say it's a great help. It's another one called Eat Some Bacteria. And fermented foods, could they be to the key to a healthy brain, body, and mind? Or there's another one called Sing, how belting out tunes give a natural high and helps reduce inflammation. I've not listened to any of these, I've just looked at the titles. There's others called Stand on One Leg, Get Some House Plants, and another one called Eat Chocolate. I like the sounds of that one. And each episode of Just One Thing has something to say about improving, uh, helping uh, or improving our health. And uh, I imagine that there is uh, some good in many of the things that are addressed. And this morning, I want to speak about, well, just one thing. Uh, one thing. Not to improve our physical health or well-being, but to improve our spiritual health. And I want to take this phrase, one thing. It's a phrase that comes around 15 times uh, in the Bible. And we're going to uh, look at five of those times when we, we find the phrase one thing. So we're not going to be looking at one passage, but we're going to be considering various people who use this phrase one thing. I'll tell you who they are. It's Joshua, David, Paul, and then finally Jesus. And there were two times he spoke of one thing. Now, we could preach five sermons this morning on uh, each of these, and uh, uh, we would be here a long time, but we're just going to consider them briefly this morning. So, just one thing, or really five things uh, for us this morning. And the first one is this. The first one thing is one thing that has never failed. One thing that has never failed. At the end of the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 23, You find uh, Joshua uh, making his farewell address. We're coming to the end of the book of Joshua. Just one more chapter afterwards, chapter 24. And Joshua is coming to the end of his life. And he calls the leaders together. And he recalls all that the Lord has done for them. And and in his address to them, he really has three admonitions. And uh, they are this. And we could look at these this morning. It would be a good way to start the new year. Firstly, Keep God's word. Secondly, hold fast to the Lord. And thirdly, love the Lord. Three great things to do there. Keep God's word, hold fast to the Lord, and love the Lord. And then in his address to them, he warns them about going back, about compromising. And um, uh, says, well, if that, if you start to do that, it'll lead to distress and defeat. So there's a warning to them as well. And then in the the passage, it's in verse 14 of uh, uh, Joshua 23, he says this, Now I'm about to go 
the way of all the earth. You know with all your hearts and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. The New King James Version, which I often read, uh, actually has the phrase, not one thing has failed. And that seems an appropriate, appropriate place to start as we as we uh, bid farewell to 2021 and we're here in a new year now, uh, good to, to look back and remember that not one thing has failed. There's a lot of things that have surprised us. There's a lot of things that have failed. Maybe the biggest of all is just this ongoing COVID crisis. But we can say not one thing has failed. Of all the good things, which the Lord our God spoke concerning us. God has not failed. His promises are true. His promises have been fulfilled. Yes, other things have failed, but God has not failed. And God's promises are true and continue to be true and will be true all the way through this, this year to those who are trusting in him. As I was preparing for this, I just looked through uh, some of the things that he says, that it says in God's word. And here are some of the things about God and his promises. His love endures. His faithfulness continues. His compassion, it never fails. He always cares. I've got references for all of these, but I won't go through them. Maybe you can look for them yourself. He doesn't withhold good things. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He goes before us. He is always with us. He forgives our sins. He provides for our needs. He directs our paths. He is working for our good. He listens. He listens to us. He answers. He answers prayer. He is near to all who call on him. He is with us when we pass through the waters of trouble. He gives strength to the weary. He is a refuge in times of trouble. He's preparing a place for us. He never changes. So many wonderful promises and good things about our God. And as we look back over this last year, we can say that not one thing has failed. Joshua could say it as he came to the end of his life, looking back over God's uh, leading and God's direction for them and his experiences. Not one thing failed in Joshua's day. And as we look back over the history of this world, we can say not one thing has failed. God's promises, they have not failed. As we look back at 2021, whatever's happened, and it's not been easy, but God has been faithful and not one thing has failed. And as we look forward to 2022, whatever it might bring, we can say one thing will not fail. Other things fail. Leaders fail. We fail. Um, Vaccines fail. So many things fail but God does not. 
I spotted on wall at, uh, my wall at home as I was uh, during this week. Uh, uh, there's a little picture frame we've got. We've had it since we were married. And it has uh, the text Zephaniah 3.5 on it. And then around the outside, all sorts of other texts of things that fail. Texts in the Bible where things have failed. And right in the middle of it, it says this, he never failed. Isn't that wonderful? That we can look back and say, God has not failed. And we can look forward and know that he will not fail. And when we rest on the promises of God, we rest assured. So there's the first one thing. Uh, Not one thing has failed, and it's to do with God's faithfulness. The second one, comes in, or the second one we're going to look at comes in Psalm 27, which we read. I wonder if you spotted it. And it's uh, in the words of David in this psalm. And it's to do with uh, not so much God's faithfulness, but our desires. Uh, Turn to it, uh, Psalm 27. It's a great psalm. um, And I say we could, we could have considered the whole of this psalm at the beginning of this new year. Um, one of the Bibles I've got has the heading for this psalm as an exuberant declaration of faith. Isn't that wonderful? An exuberant declaration of faith. And David has it. And he declares it. Now David had plenty, plenty, has plenty of enemies. He was pursued by Saul. Uh, for some time in his life he had to flee from his son, his rebellious son Absalom. Uh, he was always seemed to be fighting against the Phil- Philistines. Uh, David had plenty of enemies. And here in the psalm, he speaks of them in verse 2. Evil men advance against me. Enemies and foes, they attack me. And then in verse 3, an army besieges me. War breaks out against me. He had everything against him. Plenty of enemies. And plenty going on to distract him, but his trust is in God. Verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? His trust is in God, but not only that, he seeks after God as well. Look at what he says in verse 4. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in the temple. Oh, there's so much in this verse and there's so much that we could unpack some of the phrases. But David's supreme desire, his one thing he desires, is to dwell in the house of the Lord, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. It's not just a one-time glimpse or quick glimpse or there's the beauty of the Lord and move on, but a steady, sustained focus. It's not just a a petitionary prayer, as it were, but but a praising and an admiring and enjoying God for who he is. A longing, a longing to see his beauty, to enjoy his presence, to know him more. That's probably fairly similar to Paul's desire in um, Philippians chapter 3, where he speaks of his desire that I, that I may know him, that I may know Christ. So here's David, here's Paul, with this desire uh, 
there's one thing, as it were, is to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. I wonder what our desires are this morning at the beginning of another year. If, if you could ask for one thing from the Lord, what would it be? If you could only pray one prayer this year, what would you pray? Well, we thank God that we're not limited to just one. We can bring everything. We can ask anything. And we can come any time. And uh, can I suggest and challenge you this morning, if, if a desire for the Lord, uh, the one thing I ask is to seek him and to dwell in his house and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. If that's not on your list this morning of desires for this coming year, then add it to it. And then uh, there's blessing in that. David goes on. Look, look at what he says following it after verse 4. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. And then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. When we desire God, when we long to see his beauty, when we see more of Christ, whatever comes up against us, whatever enemies come, whether it's people or circumstances, whatever it is, then we can know David experienced that to be kept safe in his dwelling, in the presence of Christ. doesn't mean everything will be easy and straightforward, but it does mean it will be blessed. So there's, there's uh, uh, David. Uh, so firstly, uh, one thing, we've seen God's faithfulness. Secondly, uh, the second one thing is about our desires. What are our desires for this coming year? And then the third one is about our priorities. What about our priorities? Well, you could say that's linked to our desires as well. But when we come to the New Testament, we come to Paul. Uh, we a few verses on after the one that I've mentioned where he expresses this desire to, to know Christ, to know him, he writes these words. He says this, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining on to what is ahead and pressing on. He doesn't just want to look back and be thankful for what God has done for him and for the way that God is using. He wants to go forward. And he doesn't just want to drift forward. He wants to drive forward. He strains to what is ahead and he presses on. He wants to run the race that God has for him. He wants to finish well. And that's a good thing to consider at the beginning of another year. When the athlete is in the race and, uh, you know, the athlete, he does all his training and then eventually the race comes and he's in the race. He doesn't think about other things. He doesn't run thinking about what he's had for breakfast. He doesn't run thinking about what he's going to do tomorrow or where he's going to go on holiday. His mind is on the race. His mind is on the price, uh, the prize. And, uh, you know, 
the, the athlete is just caught up in the race and what it's all about. And we're not in a race in that sense as athletes, but we are at the beginning of a new year. And it's good for us to think about what our priorities are at the beginning of a new year. I don't know whether you make New Year's resolutions, so there's much talk about them. And even if you don't formally make a New Year's resolution, we very often do think about what am I going to go do differently in this coming year or what changes am I going to make or what plans do I have for what I'm going to do in this coming year. But let me ask you this question. Are God's priorities on that list? Are God's priorities on that list? Is there a priority which says, uh, uh, forgetting what is past, pressing on towards the goal? And if not, then I'd urge you to add God's priorities to your list. And if it's somewhere further down the list, I'd urge you to put it further up the list. You see, there is an upward and a homeward call. Paul speaks of pressing on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called him heavenward in Christ Jesus. There is an upward call. There is a heavenward call on our lives. Are we, have we taken heed to that? We need to press on. We need to be urgent about that. We need to be careful of drifting. As I was thinking about drifting, um, well, we spoke of Paul. He didn't just drift forward. Uh, he drove forward. But if we just start drifting forward, we can end up drifting backwards and drifting away. That's the great warning of the book of Hebrews about drifting from God. Let's make sure that the, uh, the pursuit of Christ is on our hearts and in our minds and on our list, as it were. I think the that's really what this verse is about, Paul's pursuit of Christ. A few verses back he said that I might know him, but this verse seems to be about the pursuit of Christ himself. And it's, just not, it's not just knowing Christ and knowing about him, but it's pursuing him. May God help us to be those to say, this one thing I do, pressing on towards the goal. So for Joshua, he could say not one thing has failed, speaking of God's faithfulness and God's blessing. For David, he spoke of one thing I ask, that desire for God. Paul spoke of one thing I do, speaking of priorities. And then we're going to finish with Jesus. And we find him uh, saying uh, uh, twice to two different people uh, this uh, one thing. The first one is the rich young ruler, and um, probably many of you would be familiar uh, of the, the, the story of the rich young ruler. In Mark chapter 10, he's a, a young man with everything going for him. He had great potential, uh, young, in the prime of life, uh, and riches. He was respected by others, described as a, a, a ruler in some official position, and uh, maybe greatly respected in the community. He had manners and he had morals because he came to Jesus saying, good teacher. Um, and the things that he spoke about su suggest that he had good manners and good morals. He even had good motives. He came to Jesus and he, he gets on his knees before him and says, 
What must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a good motive and a right motive. All these things going for him, yet there was a problem. You see, he thought he was good enough for God. He says to Jesus, what have I got to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus goes through some of the commandments and he says, these things I've done from when I'm young. Yep, I do these things. He thought he was good enough and that by doing his best, he would be all right. But he had a problem because everything that he had going for him, and particularly his riches, they stood between him and trusting in Christ. I wonder if he thought that his riches were, as it were, were the way to God. Look, I'm blessed and God will accept me. Uh, they thought they were the way to God when in reality there were a barrier between him and God. You see, Jesus says to him, he says he looks at him and he loved him. And then he said this, one thing you lack, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Now it might be our riches that we have or whatever we have, the possessions that we have are a barrier to following Christ. Or it might be something else, but there is a stark warning here that it's possible to have things standing between us and following Christ. Is the one thing that you lack? Is the one thing that you're not willing to give up? Is there something stopping you trusting in Christ? It might be what we have. We can love our riches and our wealth and our possessions too much. It might be what we are, thinking that we're good and important and we've got a position in the community and we've got a great identity. That can stop us from trusting Christ. It might be what we're doing. It might be some sin or sins that we're aware of and not willing to give up. Is the one thing lacking. When we look at Jesus, he did have everything, but he gave it all up. Though he was rich, yet for our sakes, he became poor so that we might become rich. And that's not speaking of wealth, but it's speaking of God's blessing. He had everything, but he gave it all up. Jesus had that highest position, but he left heaven and came down into this lowest position, as we've thought about, as he became uh, a man, a baby. And when you read in Philippians 2, it said he made himself nothing. He became a servant. He humbled himself. And he went to a cross, laying down his life for sinners such as us. He had everything, he gave it all up. He went from that highest position to the lowest position, and the one in whom there was no sin became sin for us to bring us back to God. This rich young ruler wasn't prepared to give up what he had. 
to trust Christ and to follow Christ. Jesus loved him. Jesus pleaded with him. He had to deal with the thing. You know, go sell what you've go sell what you've got. Give it to the poor and then come. Follow me. But he wouldn't. He wouldn't do it. There was one thing lacking. And there's this tragic verse in the, at the end of that, that uh, account where it says that he went away sad because he had great possessions. He went away sad. I think it's the only record of anyone coming to Jesus and going away in a worse condition than which they came. He went away sad. Don't go away sad this morning. Don't go away with something standing between you and trusting in Christ. So that's the first words of Jesus. One thing you lack. And then finally, we're going to finish with the words um, maybe you know what they are, but the words that Jesus said to Martha. And uh, I'm going to read a few verses from Luke 10 where we read the account of when he says these words. And really, let these verses speak to themselves. It's found in Luke chapter 10, and it says this. As Jesus and his disciples went on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened a home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Martha was busy, she was distracted, she was worried, she was upset by many things. And maybe that's like us, we're busy, busy with life and work and family and church and other things. And we can be distracted, distracted by what's going on around us uh, in any of these things or in the world of COVID or whatever it is. And maybe this morning you are worried, like Martha, but worried about 22 and what it might bring. We do face challenges. It won't be easy. And maybe you've come in this morning and you're upset, as it were, about many things. If we're like that, then one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Let us, with God's help, make 2022 a year where we do that one thing that is needed. And what is that? It's to choose what is better and to sit at the feet of Jesus. May God help us to be those who do that today and in the coming days ahead.